first episode of But You Don't Look Sick in 2019. Crazy. I cannot even believe 2018 is over and that it's the beginning of a new year, but I'm excited about that because 2018 was like the year of cancer treatment. And so going into 2019, there's no surgeries on the horizon. There's just, you know, minimal minimal treatment, I guess, as far as everything's at home, just taking pills at home. Oh wait, minus the Lupron shot. But you know what? It's a lot less invasive than 2018. So we'll just jump right in. Um, Today, I just want to talk about finding a creative outlet through treatment. Um, I think that that is something that helped me so much once I figured out kind of where I wanted to channel my energy. Uh, When you're first diagnosed, you're just all over the place and you have so much anxiety and so much fear and you're filled with so many emotions, anger and frustration and just the unknown is overwhelming. And for me, from the moment I, you know, had my first biopsy and just was going through that waiting period. I was just constantly on the internet or on my phone trying to find women who were 30 years old who had gone through this. And, you know, I wasn't, I found some information and I found some blogs or, you know, I mean, Instagram, and it's so weird to say that you go on Instagram and you type in hashtag breast cancer, but that is one of the first things I did. And I remember finding young women who were, they weren't sharing their entire stories, um, but they were sharing just whether it was an image of their bald head, whether it was an image of them, um, going through surgery or chemo or something. And all of a sudden I could relate to that in some way. And, um, so I really started, I started following those women. And then as I kind of immersed myself in the community and, you know, started to look for more women who were sharing their stories and their experiences and their treatments, um, I found so many women who really were trying to be resources to other women. They had blogs or they had podcasts, um, or they were making YouTube videos, just something that was sharing their story. But I truly believe that not only is sharing your story great for other people, but it really is therapeutic for yourself while you're going through treatment. When I was first diagnosed, I didn't want to tell anyone, and I I didn't. Um, I remember just like sitting in my room thinking, like, I'm just going to get through this. I'm not really going to share it with my friends or anyone or anyone that doesn't need to know. I'm just going to – I just – I thought – you know, I had just moved to Savannah. I didn't know too many people. So it's not like, it's not like people were going to be wondering where I was. Um, but I didn't want to share it. I didn't feel comfortable sharing it. I was still just so scared. Um, but then I thought I've had this blog for four years at that point. Um, I had been blogging since we moved to Alaska because when we moved to Alaska, I was in a really, really, really dark place because have you ever moved to Alaska in uh, November and then just had to try and go through the winter basically by yourself? When we moved to Alaska, my boys were so young and I was 12 weeks pregnant with Avalon. Um, so I I was not in a great like state physically I was so sick 
And the second we moved to Alaska, Chris was gone. He was in a very intensive unit up there in an airborne unit. And literally we did not see him. Like the moment we stepped foot (laughs) in the last frontier, he was gone. He was just in training and, um, it was crazy. And so I was kind of just left alone with my two boys and being pregnant and, you know, figuring out Alaska. I'd never been in snow. I'd never been on ice. I'd never tried to, um, drive in the snow or get places. Like it was just, it was such a huge change. Not only was it a huge change, you know, just in life in general, but here we were trying to bring a third baby into the mix. And Chris was at that point, um, I think this was the first time he had been in like in, in any type of officer environment. So the expectations were different. It was different than what we knew um, previously in the military. So there were just so many huge changes and I was just so depressed about it. I was so far away from family. I was on a completely different like wavelength, I felt like, because I just wasn't talking to too many people and it was really dark. So I found blogs and I found, you know, other military wives at that point and I was reading their stories and I was connecting with so many moms on the internet And I thought, I'm going to start a blog. Like, I'm really going to do this. I want to just be able to connect with my family and share the experiences because Alaska is a whole different ballgame. And it's nothing that I had grown up knowing. I grew up in Las Vegas. And so (laughs) there was nothing that was normal for me in Alaska. Having a moose in your front yard is is not normal, you know, for anybody in Vegas. And... So I really wanted to share those experiences, sharing those experiences with, you know, my kids. And um, so it was a way for me to kind of just have something to do during the day. And that creative outlet was so fantastic. I am a creative person by nature. I just, I love to write. I love to, you know, get my feelings out there and basically share my sarcasm And that's where I really connected with so many women online was just through my blog. And that blog grew and it morphed and it changed through everything that we had been through, through Alaska, through moving, through training cycles with Chris, through bringing in baby after baby. Um, And then it, it morphed into, you know, more fashion and beauty because that's what I have a background in is in buying and merchandising. And so I felt like bringing that in was tapping into another side of my creativity. And that really did help me through just times of being lonely in Alaska or times when Chris was gone. I always had something to look forward to. But when I got diagnosed with cancer, I felt like this is not something I want to share on my blog, or at least that's how I felt in the beginning. But then as I started to realize how rare it was for a 30-year-old to get breast cancer. Or it seems like you hear about younger and younger women getting diagnosed with breast cancer, and you do, and it is happening. Um, But if you're really looking at the numbers and the statistics, it's not such a huge number. There's not such a huge percentage of it happening. So once I started to realize that, I was like, I was so misinformed. And that's what really pushed me to share it on my blog, as I felt like I've I've got this community. I don't really care if it's a huge community. I don't care. But if just one of my followers on Instagram or if just one of my followers on my blog checks their boobs and my story somehow helps them health-wise, then I feel like me sharing it would have been a great thing. So I really kind of had to come to terms with that. 
in the beginning. And then once I started to share it and once I started to connect with other breast cancer fighters and survivors, it it became so therapeutic for me going through treatment. So I really would say that when you first get diagnosed, it is scary and you kind of need to sit there and absorb that and figure out like what you want to put your energy into because you are going to have so much nervous energy. Um, and you need to have something to look forward to during treatment. So it doesn't have to be blogging. It doesn't even have to be, you know, writing in general, but find something, whether that's taking up a new hobby, take a course online in something you're interested in, just find something to do that you can look forward to on the days that you feel really good. Um, I feel like that helped so much. Um, once I started to really share things on my blog, um, then I kind of felt like that was another layer of my blog. I still wanted to share fashion and I still wanted to share beauty. And that also helped me kind of get past the whole bald head and losing my hair and losing my eyebrows. And I'm always the first person to make fun of myself because that's just how I am. I'm just going to always be goofy and and I feel like that's just how I, I cope with things is poking fun at myself first. If I can make a joke about it and make everybody else laugh so they're not uncomfortable, then I feel that much more comfortable. So I really wanted to show that how I was putting on my eyebrows. I never wore a wig. I never really covered up my hair or anything. I was just bald all the time. So I felt like I wanted to be able to show women that you can embrace being bald. You can also embrace wearing a wig. I have nothing against that. I think that you should just be able to express yourself and feel comfortable and beautiful however you want to be throughout your battle with cancer. Um, But for me, it was embracing being bald. It was trying to put on eyebrows where there were no eyebrows. It was trying to figure out how to dress um, because when you're bald, you can look a little boyish. And I dress pretty tomboyish in general, just with jeans and combat boots or whatever. I'm not overly girly. So I felt like it was a, it was trying to find a balance between staying true to my style, but then also trying to dress a bald head. And I'm glad that I documented all of that on my blog. And I really do think that writing down my experiences as they were happening was extremely therapeutic. Um, you know, obviously with this podcast, retelling things is bringing up emotions that I didn't even know I had in that moment. Cause it's just reflecting on everything that ha- has already happened. Um, but as far as blogging, I was able to really write down what I was feeling in that moment, how treatment was actually going, the side effects that I was having, um, what I was doing with my family or any of those kinds of things. It was more of like a real time storytelling. And when I go back and I read those posts or somebody else reads them and emails me, I feel like they're getting the true sense of where I was in that moment. So I think that that is really great too. And I've seen a lot of women turn to blogging or Instagramming their stories. And I think that it's great. I think that sharing that gives you something to look forward to. I know as far as like blogging was going, when I was sick, I I didn't blog. I didn't share really anything. But then when I was kind of coming out of the chemo fog, I couldn't wait to get dressed. I couldn't wait to put on makeup. And as silly as it sounds, I couldn't wait to go take like pictures for the blog. 
whether that was with my kids or whether it was just style photos or makeup tutorials or whatever it was, I it was something to look forward to. It got me out of the rut of you know, cancer. I didn't, half the time I didn't even think about it. I would just be out there, you know, taking pictures with my kids or we would be doing something. And I didn't even sit there and think like, oh my gosh, I, you know, last week I was sitting in an infusion chair. I was just so much more in the moment. And I really feel like that, that helped me to have that creative outlet, to have something besides cancer consuming my life. And so I really feel like if you're getting diagnosed, now's the time to figure out what you're passionate about, figure out what you want to do and figure out what makes you happy and do that throughout treatment, whether that's art, whether that's, you know, journaling, whether that's writing, Um, photography, pick up a hobby that you can do and look forward to throughout treatment because cancer fighting is a full-time job. So you need to have something as an outlet or you are really truly going to be consumed by this disease. Um, I also think finding something to do with your significant other. If you don't have one, find a best friend. Um, If not, find your mom. If not, find, find a dog. Um, Figure out something that you guys can do together. Chris and I really, everything changed um, going through cancer. And so, you know, him being in the military and that's all we really knew, um, he was all of a sudden not having to go. It was him and I being together all the time. And we really didn't have those experiences since, you know, we first got married. So being able to do things together, whether that was explore Savannah and go downtown, grab a coffee on mornings where the kids were in school and it was just us or it was just with the girls, just something. I feel like we really connected on exploring this new place that we had lived in. Um, We were also, you know, dreaming and scheming of what we were going to do next. And we kind of knew that the military wasn't going to be a long-term thing anymore. Chris knew from the get-go when I was diagnosed that things needed to change. I knew that things needed to change. I knew I didn't want to move again in about 18 months. And so we were thinking about what, what was our next move? What was our next plan? And, you know, that was coming from all of these creative outlets. It was kind of like him asking me, what do, what do you want to do now that you've been diagnosed? You have the second chance at life. What do you want to do? And for me, it was kind of like, I don't know. It, it was all new. I, and so dreaming and coming up with plans and writing down ideas and really trying to figure out like what we wanted to do next took up a lot of our time. And that was something that we were doing together. And I feel like that was, we had never had those conversations before because it was like, we're just going to ride this military thing out until we can't ride it out any longer because we're committed. We've been in this. This is all we know. Um, you know, Chris has been in the military since he was 18. I met him when I was 18. And so this is really the life that we had become accustomed to. And then cancer was like, nope, you can change. You can think of something else. There's so much more out there for you than the military. And we took that as a sign and we ran with it because never in my life have I seen Chris home so much. He's never been home for multiple dinners in a row, um, you know, on a weeknight. Normally we would only see him on the weekends. And so we were kind of like in this new state of being a family and us all going to and doing things together. Um, and that felt so new and different. And we really kind of wanted to hold on to that feeling. 
And I, I was writing about that on my blog and I was sharing those things about, you know, Chris being home and Chris not having to go into work and, and everything kind of started to morph and change into, you know, really what, what was it that we wanted to do with our lives? And we started, we both started to read books and self-help books and taking courses online, whether that was with photography or with, for marketing or for, um, you know, starting a business. And we really started to think about how we were going to take this opportunity of downtime and turn it into something permanent. And cancer gave us that opportunity. Cancer was also changing our mindset about being positive. Like I've said before, I was not like an inherently positive person before cancer. I was in a really dark place before cancer. Um, Nothing that I probably would have admitted out loud because I didn't really tell my family. The only person that knew how sad I was was Chris. Um, And that was simply because I wasn't doing anything for myself. Um, and that was really starting to take a toll on me after about nine years of being a mom and being a stay at home mom and not really doing one thing that I enjoyed anymore. And that was really starting to break me down and wear me really thin. And then cancer came in and it was like, nope, now everything is going to be about you and everything is going to be about you getting healthy and you doing what you want to do. And I kind of took that cancer card and ran with it and was like, nope, I've got cancer. So I, you know, I'm, I'm going to think of my next business adventure. I'm going to think of all of the dreams that I want to do or all of the things that I said that we're going to do as a family. When we retire from this military life, I started to think about doing those things now. Um, and it really came through writing things down. I, throughout treatment, I kept a gratitude journal. Um, and that, that kind of came to me after reading and listening to tons of self-help books or just positive affirmations. Um, and a gratitude journal was huge. It was really me sitting down every morning and night and writing about the things that I was grateful for in that moment. And I don't even know if I can go back and like read like my gratitude journal now um, from that from the last year because it's probably just so emotional and at times it was like you know I'm just grateful that I made it through the night in the hospital or something and that's really that's really really hard um, to go back and relive and so you know now it's it's being grateful for so many different things but in the moment of cancer, I really do feel like keeping a journal or just writing down your emotions is incredibly helpful. Um, I understand that writing isn't for everyone either. Um, blogging isn't for everyone either, but I felt like it was a way for me to tell my perspective of things as it was happening. And that also helped me connect with other women, um, whether they were doing the same thing or not. Um, it did, it just helped me to share my experience and then gain knowledge from other people that were going through the same thing. And that really helped me to kind of be okay with what was happening, to realize that, you know, other people have had these exact same feelings, these exact same side effects or experiences, and they've gotten through them. Because I think that's one of the hardest things is when you're going through it, you feel like it's just never going to end. You feel like life will never be normal again, or you feel like, you know, I cannot continue being this sick all the time. 
And then you realize that somebody else has gone through it and they're telling you that, you know, it took however many months for them to be able to grow hair. It took however many months for them to be able to move their arms up and down after a mastectomy. Um, you know, it took however many months for them to kind of start to regulate on hormone therapy. And so you realize that you're not crazy, that you're not alone in this and that so many people have walked this path before you and they've made it. Um, and I always just tried to focus on the positive. I know that there are so many women who get diagnosed with later stage, um, breast cancer, and that's extremely hard and their treatment and their lifestyle is completely different than somebody that is diagnosed with early stage breast cancer and that their survival chance is so much higher. Um, and the chance for them to go on and live a seemingly normal life is very high. But then there are women on the flip side who are battling this at a later stage and their outlook is not as great as say mine was or is. And I also understand that that's hard, um, and I never want to take away from what they're going through and the fact that, you know, they're not going to be as positive as me because I get to say, okay, well, at one point I'm going to be cancer free. They don't necessarily get to hear those words or they don't get, they won't be getting bone scans that come back clear or anything like that. And I know that that's hard and I never really wanted to ignore that throughout the last year of battling cancer, but I also wanted to stay in a very positive place. So finding women who were sharing the experiences of life after cancer was very important for me too, for me to see that they were going on and um, going back to work or starting a business or starting a nonprofit um, or just volunteering within the cancer community, um, sharing their voice, and then seeing women go and collectively get together at different um, cancer summits or cancer retreats. And they were connecting with each other, not just on the internet, but then making that a face-to-face -face meeting. And I feel like that is also something to definitely look forward to. I remember going through treatment and seeing um, the Young Survivors Coalition, a summit that they were having. And I thought, oh, one day I'm going to get there. One day I'm going to go and be able to meet the women that share their story online and be able to thank them face-to-face -face for being so vulnerable and so raw and so truthful throughout their fight. And that really is what helped me as well. And so, you know, I don't think that everybody needs to share their story so publicly, but I really do think even if you're just sharing it with your friends or a small, a small group within your community or going to um, support groups and sharing your story there, I think talking about it or writing it down is so, 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 so important. The other thing is being able to write those things down when you're, you're probably not wanting to. So there actually have been studies that have shown that writing can help with side effects. And I know that sounds so crazy, but writing can also help with pain management. And I know this one to be true because I have written and I've written blog posts or I've written social media posts that I've kept in my phone as notes or I've kept in drafts and I've never published because they were they were more for me. They were more that I just needed to get out the pain I needed to. And that was like after my mastectomy or during chemo um, when I was just feeling so, so dark or I just felt like 
like my outlook was so grim, but I, I needed to just express those feelings and I needed to express them more than just saying it to Chris, you know, or just crying in the shower. I needed to really get all of those thoughts and feelings out. And then once I did, I kind of felt like, okay, I'm good. I don't necessarily need to share this. This was more for me. Um, and you know, Doing that while you're trying to manage pain is kind of like a coping mechanism. Um, expressing your emotions about the intensity of the pain or your fear of the pain or even your questions. That was another thing that I felt was great was I was always writing down questions to bring to like my next doctor's appointment. Because when you get there, you can't really think of anything anymore. You're just kind of, you like freeze. Um, and so writing down, you know, should I be feeling this much pain or should I be having these sharp you know, shooting pains throughout my breasts or what is this really weird, hard, you know, cord-like feeling in my armpit. Just writing down all of those things um, helped to kind of keep tabs on the experience and where I wanted to go and what was happening and all of those things. Um, The other thing is, is during chemo, I suggest writing everything down because you can't remember a damn thing. So I was always making lists. I was always making notes like to myself, like don't forget to feed the dogs or don't forget to shower today. Um, I was also writing notes to Chris and to the kids. I loved being able to write notes to the kids in their lunch boxes just to say, you know, I'm thinking about you today. I can't wait for you to get home. I hope you have a great day. But I was always looking forward to getting up and writing those things. Um, And so I felt like that was really therapeutic, was always just making sure that they knew that I was okay, um, even through chemo. I remember I wrote each of them a note the night before my bilateral mastectomy because I was going to be getting up so early and they weren't going to be awake yet. And I left each of them a note on the kitchen table. Um, And I was crying writing each of those notes because I just, not that I felt like, you know, something was going to happen to me in surgery or anything like that. I just felt like, you know, I'm going to, I'm about to close this chapter. I felt like once I wake up from surgery, I'm not, I will not physically be the same person that I was before. And so I felt like I needed to write a note to each of the kids and I wrote it on construction paper and I made it colorful and, um, I even took pictures of the notes because I just wanted to be able to remember that I had written those things um, to each and every one of them. And I wrote them things that each one of them could understand. I think Ace was probably the only one that could read at that point. I mean, Pierce could probably read Mom. But for the girls, I mean, Chris read the notes and everything. But I really felt like that was like like, ah, oh, like I, I wrote those and I, I cried and I got those emotions out. And then I felt like I was able to go into my surgery a little bit clearer because I had written those to my babies and they were able to see them and hold them and read them when they woke up. And that made me feel so much better. Um, so, you know, it, I know I keep saying so many things about writing and journaling and blogging because that's just what has helped me. But I know that there are so many other outlets. Um, I know that lots of hospitals and there's lots of programs for cancer patients that do art therapy. Um, that's something that I was really interested in. I'm horrible at art. (laughs) Like I think I can probably draw a stick figure. Um, and not well, I might add, but I know that a lot of people are able to channel some of their nervous energy into art. And I think that that is so beautiful. And, um, I kind of wish I would have done some type of art class or art therapy throughout treatment and had like a substantial piece of art that represented that time in my life. Um, 
I think that that would have been almost even more therapeutic, um, but also some a memory that I would want to have and to hold, even if even even if it was dark, something that you can like stick way back in your closet and pull out, you know, years later when you're okay and comfortable with it. But to have a physical piece of something that reminds you of a time when, you know, maybe it, maybe it's a joyful piece of art, maybe it's hopeful, but maybe it's also really dark and you can see how far you've come from that moment. So I think art therapy is also a really great way to kind of channel your creativity or lack thereof. Um, and find some creativity. Um, social groups is also another great way to channel all of that energy and have something to look forward to. So whether that's finding a new group within a place that you live, I know that for me, I joined Savannah Influencers here in Savannah. It's a nonprofit. It's a group of women. Um, many are entrepreneurs, but many are just you know, they're out in the community and they have a passion to strengthen and give back to the community here in Savannah. And I had joined that group before I knew I had cancer. I had joined that group. And I remember I went to, I think my first meeting with them, like a week after I had gotten my first biopsy. And I kept sitting there thinking like, you know, man, I'm sitting in this room and nobody, like no one even knows what I'm going through. And then I found out that another woman in, in Savannah influencers had battled breast cancer the year before. And I was like, wow, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and so the going, having that group had gave me something to look forward to giving back to the community, planning events, um, you know, going to meetings. And I felt like that was so good for me because, it got me out of the house. It got me to look forward to something. It got me to get dressed, but it also got me to get out of my comfort zone because notoriously when I moved from place to place with the military, I kind of just stuck to myself because we had moved so often. We were never in a place for a really long time. Um, and so I felt like I never really wanted to make close friendships or I never even wanted to put myself out there. I had four kids in five years. And so I felt like that was my life. But then moving to Savannah and connecting with these women and seeing them go out and many of them have children and many of them have so many things outside of their business that they're into that I was like, wow, this is really, this is really a group of women that I can learn from, that I can get to know, um, and that I can gain strength from throughout this fight. And getting to know them and finding that, you know, many of them have connections with cancer in some way or breast cancer. It really did help me open up and talk about my experiences. So I think social groups are also another huge part, um, of being able to get, to get through cancer treatments. Um, and that can go with support groups as well. Also getting to know the breast cancer community locally where you are is also a great resource to be able to connect with them, to give back, um, and to be able to share your experiences in an open setting where people are going to understand what you're going through. I think that that can be extremely helpful. Um, taking up a new hobby, I think would also be, I think it would just also be really fun to do, um, to, to inject a little bit of fun, <laughs> into cancer, um, by looking, having something new to look forward to. Um, whether that's, I don't know, horseback riding, um, whether that's taking up music lessons and 
just doing something else that gets you away from thinking about cancer. I know there are tons of women who have to go through breast cancer and they have to work because they need to keep their insurance. And that is a hard thing, but I really feel like work is not necessarily, I mean, obviously it can help you through cancer because you got to get up, you got to get dressed, you got to go there, you got to try and focus, but having something else outside of that as well. For me, the second that I, I was in chemo and I think it was probably about my fifth round of chemo, I remember telling Chris like, all right, I'm taking my time now. Like I am going to get back to doing what I love. I'm finally trying to, you know, recognize that my happiness is of the utmost importance for the rest of my life and that I need to stop putting off my happiness and my dreams and my wants for when it's the quote unquote perfect time. When my kids are all in school or when my kids are grown or when we are out of the military, because that was my thinking before was that, you know, that I needed to just push everything that I wanted aside in order to benefit my family. But really I was not benefiting anyone because I was just miserable. And so I think it was like my fifth round of chemo. I told Chris, I was like, I want to get back to styling. I want to get back to merchandising or doing something with, with retail consulting or, um, something within that realm. And I started getting to know photographers here in Savannah. And one had mentioned to me that he, um, was looking for a stylist and that he wanted more stylized shoots. And I was like, I didn't have a card. I didn't have a website. I didn't have anything at that point, but I was like, I'm your girl. Like, look me up. I will do it. And I remember coming home and telling Chris that I had told him that and Chris was kind of like, wait, what? Um, and I said, well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. I'm just going to start, I'm just going to start styling and I'm just going to do that. And I remember going on social media and changing my Instagram profile to saying that I was a stylist. Um, and that felt so powerful to me because I notoriously would just call myself a stay at home mom from the time that I was a stay-at-home mom. You know, I really never said that I worked, even though being a stay-at-home mom is probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life next to chemo. Chemo takes the cake for sure, but but stay-at-home mom is like right underneath on the same level of it's the hardest thing, just being home day in and day out and giving so much of yourself um, and then being too tired to even think about yourself later on. And so, um, you know, I remembered that once the styling kind of started to get going, um, I, I turned it into a business. I really did. I, I made a website and I made a social media and I, you know, got a business license and I registered, at, um, you know, Kelsey Bucci LLC. And I was like, I'm really going to do this. And I started taking clients. And even though I did a lot of things for free in the beginning, um, which is fine. I was still, that was making me happy and it was channeling all of my energy into something else. And it made cancer treatment so much easier because I would really even forget that I was in cancer treatment until it was like, Oh wait, I got to go in for an infusion or, Oh wait, we really do have surgery in a couple weeks. Um, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was thinking of what's next and I was so happy doing all of that. Um, and so as crazy as it sounds, start a business during cancer whether that's even something small, maybe you like to, I don't know, underwater basket weave or something and you want to sell those. Um, anything that's making you passionate in that moment, if you can even think about something that's making you so happy while going through cancer, do 
that and whatever that is. If you want to start a blog, if you want to start a food blog, um, if you want to start photography, anything that you want to do that you think would be beneficial to you after cancer, you should do that. Throughout treatment, I started to change kind of what I was sharing on my blog and online. Um, A lot of it was going to like beauty products that I was using or things that were helping me throughout treatment, whether that's what I was eating or the lotions I was putting on my skin during radiation. And I started to get comments and emails from women saying to share more clean beauty. And and I was really immersing myself into kind of like non-toxic products because going through cancer and having my doctors tell me that the number one thing they'd like to see me switch is my deodorant, I started researching and seeing that there were so many cosmetics and skincare products and just beauty products in general that can be linked to cancer. And it started to scare the shit out of me. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, need, I need to overhaul this. And so that's something else that I really started to research. And I was listening to podcasts and I was, I was reading articles online and I was reading books all about non-toxic ingredients. Um, I had done Whole30, uh, you know, for a few years. And so I knew how to cook that way. I had read the Whole30 book. Chris and I would do on and off challenges for, we would do Whole30 for a month and then come off and do like the reintegration phase and then go back into Whole30. And then we switched to just Whole30 recipes during the week and having like a cheat day on the weekend. And so I felt like I had a really good handle on healthy eating, but I was still using really crap products on myself and my children and cleaning products and in my house. And so that that's another avenue that I started to research and throw my time and focus into was this whole non-toxic beauty thing. And it was all new to me, even though I had heard of natural or clean beauty or you see products at Whole Foods or something. I never really took it seriously. I love beauty products. If you were to come into my bathroom, you would probably be overwhelmed with the amount of beauty products that I had. Um, But I had no idea that they were all simultaneously like poisoning me. So um, that was the other thing. I would make lists and I would go to my doctors and I went to an internal medicine doctor who I had met with her. I was in neutropenic isolation and I started asking her questions about products and she really opened up to me and gave me tons of articles to read and books. And I remember coming home and telling Chris, and I think this was about towards the end of chemo and starting radiation or around that time, I said, Chris, I want to start a store. I want to, I want to build a business where other women who are fighting cancer or other women who are fighting any type of disease can come and they can find safe products, safe alternatives, but I want it to go one step further. I want it to be, um, you know, I want it to encompass clothing, comfortable clothing throughout treatment. I want it to encompass bras. I want it to be able to have books or journals or something, um, to really benefit women that were in my situation. That was the whole idea behind starting Paris Laundry, which I launched in December which is my clean beauty and lifestyle website. Um, It's something that I also was pouring energy into, finding brands, testing products. Chris and I were over here testing tons of natural deodorants and tons of um, face washes and lotions and all these different things, and then building a business around that. And um, it's something that I became so passionate about in the last year. And 
now launching a business and being able to share that is an amazing thing, especially coming out of cancer treatment, because I really do feel like I can speak to the fact that I was scared to death about what I was putting on my body and the fact that many times I would sit awake at night and wonder, this is not a genetic mutation. Um, nobody in my family's had breast cancer. I don't know how I got this, even though my doctors will say time and time again, this isn't your fault. You did nothing to, um, you know, you did nothing to get cancer. I'm sitting there and as I read these articles, I'm sitting there thinking, is it products that I was putting on my body for years and years and years since I was an adolescent and was the, you know, were those products building up toxins in my body is, is one of these products that I was either ingesting or putting on my body, is that what sparked a mutation? And, you know, if you read the science behind it, you start to do research behind it, it's a scary-ass thing. And so I was like, I really want a store where I feel confident supporting the brands that I'm telling people about. And that goes straight back to blogging as well because I'm like sitting there thinking about all the blog posts I had written for brands and companies that I had partnered with throughout the years. And then I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't even think about looking at those ingredients. And now I felt confident in sharing products that I know are safe, that have clean ingredients, that um, you know, I'm not telling a cancer patient to put on their body throughout treatment. Um, and so honestly, I started to really love all of that and being able to build a business around it and something that I want to continue to grow outside of cancer is an amazing, amazing feat. So I really would say that if you are newly diagnosed, or if you're going through any phase of treatment and even life after treatment, you know, finding a hobby or finding something that you want to do, don't think it's impossible. Don't think it's impossible to start your own business um, with nothing because trust me, I had nothing going into any of my businesses, not a damn thing. I never, I didn't know how to start a business. I knew I just had an idea. I knew I had a passion and I knew I had a drive to complete it. And so um, if that's how you feel, don't think that cancer should stop you. Really, really, really try and connect with people who are doing these things, who are starting nonprofits, who are turning their cancer experience into something more. Not saying that everyone has to do that. I don't think that at all. I think just living your life in a happy and peaceful and joyful, positive way after cancer is enough. But if you have that burning desire inside of you to do something more with your life after cancer, I say do it. I say go for it. I say have the biggest dream in the entire world and don't think about how you're going to achieve it. Just start working towards achieving it. Um, and that came back to a lot of me journaling. Um, in the beginning, in my gratitude journal, I would say things and I would say my wants and I would say my dreams and... Um, you know, reading that journal, I can see where I started to morph into really manifesting what I was writing down, really starting to believe that I could do these things and being grateful for little steps, like being grateful for making a business card with my name on it, being grateful to have a meeting, being grateful to style a photo shoot. Um, all of these little things that also were keeping me home with my family, um, keeping me home fighting cancer but then also pursuing my dreams at the same time. It was a remarkable thing to do while fighting cancer. The gratitude journal that I used was the five-minute journal. Um, I'm sure you can get it other places. We also do sell it on Paris Laundry. That was one of the products in the beginning that I thought 
I have got to carry for myself. I have got to be able to share this with other women going through this. Um, they came out with a kid's version of the five minute journal, which I love and it's something that we gave Ace and it's something that we try and tell him every day to write in. And when he starts to get his oh, almost nine-year-old attitude, which man, nobody prepares you for nine-year-old attitude. You think a three-year-old or a two-year-old is bad. Oh, nine-year-olds, almost nine-year-olds. Eight was, eight was rough. But when he starts to get that attitude with us or he starts to just complain about everything, it's, it's good to be able to tell him to step away and go find his journal and write down the things, follow the prompts, and um, it really is so helpful. And so if you're in this position and you don't want to do anything, you know, blogging related or, you know, you don't want to do anything publicly, I really do suggest the five-minute journal is great, but even just getting a notebook and writing down things, your feelings, ideas, um, just anything that you have going on. It is so helpful and so therapeutic. Um, I really do feel like connecting with other women in this community of breast cancer, um, it brings up, you know, ideas that you maybe otherwise would not have had if you didn't go through this experience or if you didn't read their experience and connect with them. And so I do feel like there is so much that you can do throughout treatment. It's not just fighting cancer. Um, you still have a life to live and you should live it to the best of your ability, to the best you can physically and mentally. And I think that comes down to just finding what truly makes you happy um, and then doing that. I thank you guys so much for listening and I cannot believe we're already in a new year, but let's make it a good one. Mm -hmm.